Good morning, church. Thank you again for being part of our online assembly. We are so glad that you're here. Maybe this is the first time that you're joining us at McDermott Road for our online worship service. If so, we want you to know that you're our honored guest and we are so happy that you are participating in our worship assembly this morning. We hope that wherever you are and whatever is going on in your life, that you are blessed and well. But if there's anything that we can do for you, we always want you to know how much we love you, and how much we want to be able to serve you and minister to you, whatever your needs may be. I know there's been a lot going on in the world the last few weeks, the last few months. Things have been rather hard. Things have been challenging. I'm sure for you on a personal level, surely on a national level, and even on a global level, things have been difficult. So I thought it might be good to start with sort of a lighthearted story this morning. You may have heard this story, but about a month ago, There was a state trooper in Utah who saw a car on the highway. He may have even gotten a call about it, but the car was swerving in and out of traffic and it was going about 30 miles an hour on the highway. And so he just assumed that probably the driver was intoxicated. So he pulled the car over to the side and he was shocked. The driver was not intoxicated, but to the state trooper's utter shock, the driver was five years old. A five-year-old little boy was driving this car on the highway. And do you know why? If you haven't heard this story, you might be surprised to find out that the little boy had $3 in his pocket and he was headed to California to buy a Lamborghini. That was his plan. He was going to go to California and buy a Lamborghini. There's probably a lot of reasons, no offense to any five-year-olds that may be watching, no offense, but there's probably a lot of reasons that we don't allow five-year-olds to drive. First of all, it's usually pretty difficult for them to reach the gas pedal and the brake, but second of all, there's just no training there. There's no experience there, and let's face it, a five-year-old is just a little bundle of desire and emotion, right? And if they're having a good day, things go pretty well. And if they're not having such a great day, things don't go so well. I can only imagine if a five-year-old was driving down the highway and saw an ice cream truck, it doesn't matter who's in the other lane. It doesn't matter what else is going on. I'm pretty sure most five-year-olds would just swerve and go that direction, which this story got me to thinking, thinking about what's driving me, What's driving my attitude? What's driving my behavior? What's driving my words that are coming out of my mouth? Sometimes, if I'm honest, I'm letting the five-year-old me drive. Just my raw emotions, my desires. Maybe I'm just allowing my wants Maybe I'm just allowing my anger. Maybe I'm just allowing my sadness. Maybe I'm just allowing my lust to drive my behavior or my thoughts or my words. And if you were to pull me over in the moment, if you were to stop me and say, Wes, what are you, what are you doing? Why did you say that? Why are you acting that way? Why are you doing these things? I probably wouldn't have much better of an answer than I wanted a Lamborghini. I was just doing what I wanted to do. No discipline, no training, no wisdom, no experience, no maturity, just doing what I wanted to do, following my desires, my instincts. 
And here's what really concerns me about the culture in which we live, but really any culture. Every human being has struggled with this. That that we live in a culture now that doesn't really want to take the keys away from the five-year-old inside of us. A culture that says, no, 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 let the five-year-old drive. Let your emotions drive. Let your desires drive. Let your anger drive. Let your passion drive. Whatever you want to do, just do it. You see an ice cream truck? Just swerve over there. Go get yourself an ice cream. Do whatever you feel like doing. There are no rules. There are no lanes in which to drive. Just do what your heart tells you to do. And so very often our heart is untrained and undisciplined. Our heart is immature. Our heart is inexperienced. And yet we live in a culture that says, follow your heart. Let your desires, let your passions, let your wants, let your anger drive you and we'll take care of the lanes. We'll take care of the lines on the road. We'll erase those lanes or we'll reframe those lanes so that you can follow your own desires. But can you imagine? Can you imagine the chaos that would ensue if on the highway we decided, you know what, lanes don't matter. We will change the lanes to fit your driving. If you want to let your five-year-old drive, fine, let your five-year-old drive. We'll change the lanes to fit your driving. Can you imagine what the highway would be like if we changed the lanes to fit our driving rather than changing our driving to fit the lanes? Yet that's exactly what we do in our culture. What we do in our culture is we say, don't worry about don't worry about the rules don't worry about what's right and wrong just follow your heart just follow your passions just follow your desires do what you feel like doing if you feel like doing that then follow your passions because it's right for you don't worry about what someone else says is right or wrong just do what is right for you follow your own truth Change the lanes to fit your driving. But we see where that ends up, don't we? We see what happens in the world when we change the lanes to fit our driving rather than change our driving to fit the lanes. So here's what we have to recognize, don't we? We can't do that. We can't change the lanes to accommodate our driving. We must change our driving to accommodate the lanes, to stay in the lanes. We have to do what's right. We have to train. We have to train our behavior. We have to train our desires. We have to train our heart to stay in the lanes rather than saying, let's redefine the rules. Let's change the lanes to fit what I want to do. Yet, that's exactly what we do in our culture. What we do in our culture is say, follow your desires, follow your heart, follow your wants, follow your fears, follow your anger, follow your sadness, do whatever you feel like doing and we'll change the lanes to accommodate your driving. But as those of us who want to be followers of Jesus, as those of us who have households, whether your household is big or little, whether there's one person in your household or there's 20 people in your household, 
If we want to have households that are little embassies of God's kingdoms, then we can't change the lanes to accommodate our driving. We must change our driving to stay in the lanes. We have to decide, I will change my behavior. I will change my thoughts. I will change my words to stay where I'm supposed to be, to go in the direction in which I'm supposed to go, rather than saying, everybody else needs to just work around me. Everybody else just needs to stay out of my way. I'm going to do my own thing. That's chaos. And as people that are praying, Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done in my home as it is in heaven. We cannot be the kind of people who want to change the lanes to accommodate our driving. We must be the kind of people that are willing to change our driving to accommodate what is right and wrong, to stay in the lanes. Let's look at the text for this morning. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we have come to the part of the text, which is Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27, in which Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is probably one of the biggest areas in which our culture wants to change the rules. I'm not going to get real specific about that. If you're an adult, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. That we've essentially said the only way to live life in this regard is to give the keys of our heart, the keys of our mind, the keys of our body to the five-year-old self inside of us and just do whatever you feel like doing. Do whatever you want to do and we'll change the rules to accommodate your desires. But that's nothing new, church. This is what human beings have always done. Try to change the rules to accommodate their behaviors. Try to change the lanes to accommodate where they wanted to drive. Even the most religious people of Jesus' day were doing that sort of thing. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And they were all, amen, amen, Jesus, you shall not commit adultery. As if that's where the line was, as if that's where the only line was, as if that's all that mattered. As long as you don't commit adultery, you haven't done anything wrong, you haven't crossed the line. But Jesus says, no, listen, whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Just as we talked about last week, and Jesus helps us to understand you haven't just crossed the line when you murder someone, you've crossed the line when you're angry with someone and you insult them and you hurt them with your words. You've already crossed the line. And Jesus says, when you look to lust, you've already crossed the line. You've already gone outside the lane when you look to lust. When you look to lust, when you look at a a woman in order to lust after her with lustful intent, you've already crossed the line. But again, the religious world of Jesus' day had tried to change the rules, at least in their own minds, to accommodate their own driving and say, we're not doing anything wrong. We haven't messed up. We haven't been unfaithful. We've kept the covenant with God and with our spouse because, you know, we haven't committed adultery. And Jesus says, yes, you have. You committed adultery in your heart. 
You gave the keys of your imagination. When Jesus says heart, he doesn't just mean feelings. When Jesus says heart, he means your imagination, your mind. And he says, you've you've given the keys. You've allowed your desires. You've allowed your sin. You've allowed your lust to drive your heart, to drive what you're thinking about. And of course, that is going to have ramifications in how you actually live out your life, but you've already crossed the line. You've already crossed the line. So the the goal here isn't that we change the lanes to accommodate our driving. And we say, well, you know, I'm just a guy, and that's just the way guys are, and this is just the way people are, and this is just the way we think, and this is just how we you know, how we operate, so can't we just kind of change the rules? Jesus says, no. Your heart needs to be trained. Your heart needs to be disciplined. Your heart needs to be transformed. Your heart needs the gospel. Verse 29, Jesus warns, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. In other words, if you can't control your eyes, it'd be better if you didn't have them, right? Jesus says, don't don't let your eyes drive the car. Don't let what you want your eyes to look at. I like looking at that. I like looking at her. I like thinking about those things. Yes, I know you do. But don't don't allow your five-year-old self to drive your thinking, to drive your looking, to drive your touching. Jesus says, if you can't control your eye, it would be better if you didn't have your eye. If you can't control your hand, it'd be better if you didn't have your hand. But obviously, Jesus' meaning here The application of what Jesus is saying here is control your eyes. Control your hands. Control your mind. Control your heart. Stop letting your desires, whatever those desires may be. In this case, there's a certain application, but we could make application to all kinds of our desires, whether it's our anger or our passion our wants, our fears, our sadness. Stop allowing your desires, your untrained, undisciplined, inexperienced, unwise desires. Stop allowing those desires to drive your thoughts, to drive your heart, to drive your mind, to drive your hands and your eyes. Get get control, right? If you can't control your hand, you'd be better not to have it. If you can't control your eye, it'd be better not to have it. But, but you should be able to. I should be able to. We should be able to. Control yourself. Not just your hands and not just your eyes, but your, your heart. I, I know where your heart is. It's right here. Your heart. Control your heart. Control your heart. Control your imagination. Let it be disciplined and trained. Look at what he says in verse 31. He says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Now, of course, again, he's quoting the law. He's quoting Deuteronomy. And they knew this passage. And in fact, they loved this passage. 
Because again, they were changing the lanes to accommodate where they wanted to drive. They were changing the lanes to try to accommodate how they wanted to drive. They were trying to formulate and find loopholes in the law to allow them to do whatever they wanted to do. I see another woman over there. She's pretty. I know I'm already married, so I'm going to give my wife a certificate of divorce and do what the law says because I'm an upstanding, righteous follower of Yahweh, so I'm going to give her a certificate of divorce like the law says so that I can go marry this other woman. Or my wife made me upset and I don't like the things that she's done, so I'm going to do what the law says. They were essentially patting themselves on the back for being law keepers. And Jesus is saying, you're not keeping the law because you write your wife a certificate of divorce. Yes, that's what the law allowed. But it wasn't saying that was what was good, what was righteous, what God wanted of you. That's not the way that kingdom families are supposed to look like. That's not what it's supposed to look like. It's not what a family looks like that's a covenant family that's looking for loopholes and trying to change the rules to accommodate their own desires and wants, but that's exactly the way the men of Jesus' day were trying to do. Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. In other words, thinking you've found a loophole thinking you found a way to adjust the rules so you still get to do what you want to do and still abide by the rules makes you a lawbreaker, not a law keeper. Jesus, just like Moses, just like God, always wanted his people to examine their heart and examine their mind and examine their life. The purpose of the law was not just to give them lanes to drive in, but was to train them how to drive in the lanes. Do you hear me? The purpose of the law was not just to define the lanes, but was to train them to drive in the lanes. The whole purpose of the law, the the Hebrew word Torah means training, teaching, The whole purpose of the Torah was to train them to drive in the lanes, train them to live as people of faith. Yet, they were too busy trying to figure out, oh, wait a second, there's a dotted line. Does that mean I can can drive anywhere I want? No, stop. Be trained. Be disciplined. Be self-controlled. Allow the law, allow the scriptures, allow the word to train you and discipline you to drive in a way that pleases God, to walk in a way that pleases God, to live your life and to live in your family in a way that pleases God. But See, this is exactly what happens, isn't it? We all sort of figure out this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is how I want to live. This is what I want. I'm going to figure out a way to change the rules to accommodate what I want. I'm guilty. How about you? I'm guilty of trying to figure out how do I still get what I want and stay in the lanes. What God wants 
is to have disciplined people. That even in those moments where we can't exactly see where's, where's the line right here, we're still driving the way we should, should go. Why? Because we've been trained. Because we're wise. It's not like we're giving the keys of our heart to a, a five-year-old. It, it's like there's someone wise and understanding and experienced and trained that's driving our thoughts and driving our words and driving our mind and driving our hands and driving our feet. That's what we want, isn't it? That's what God wants for us. He wants us to be people that are diving into the scriptures to be trained. And that's what our houses should be all about. That's what our homes should be all about. That's what our families should be all about. May our homes be the training ground for our hearts. I mean, we could, we could listen to Hollywood. We could listen to our world and tell our kids as parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles, yeah, kids, grow up and do whatever you want to do. Just follow your own heart. We will change the lanes to accommodate your desires. We could tell them that, but we wouldn't be do them, doing them any favors, would we? We'd only be contributing to the chaos in the world. The only way for us to truly live out our prayer, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is for us to be the kind of people that change our driving to accommodate the lanes. Change our driving to accommodate the direction that God wants us to go. And now we have not only the entirety of Scripture, but most importantly, we have Jesus and His Holy Spirit. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ that is indwelling us and shaping us and changing us. The Spirit who is in us and the gospel that is teaching us. That's why Paul says to the Colossian church, let the word of Christ, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly and he says to the church at Ephesus he says that the spirit be filled be filled with the spirit this is what it looks like wise living and our homes our homes if they are going to be embassies of God's kingdom if they're going to be embassies of peace then they also have to be places that are a training ground for our hearts we don't allow our hearts, our minds, our thoughts to just go any direction they want to go. We don't give the keys of our imagination, the keys of our mouth, the keys of our eyes, the keys of our hands and our feet to our passions and desires, to our five-year-old self. We allow Jesus through his spirit and through the gospel to shape us and mold us and train us and make us wise people. And that's what our home should be, training ground for our hearts, training ground for our individual heart, helping our spouse, if we're married, for their heart to be shaped and trained, for our children and our grandchildren or our nieces and nephews or our brothers or sisters or our parents or whoever makes up our household where we don't buy into the lie that our passions and desires get to drive our thoughts, get to drive our actions, get to drive our words, but that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the spirit of God trains our hearts 
that we might live our lives in a way that's pleasing to God. First of all, we've, we've already blown it, haven't we? To a large degree, we've already messed up and we know that. And so we seek forgiveness. We seek forgiveness in the grace and the mercy of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. We confess and we repent that we let our five-year-old self drive our thoughts. We let our five-year-old self drive our words. We let our five-year-old self drive our behavior and we repent and we seek the forgiveness of God. But then we also take the next step. That's our theme this year, isn't it, church? Take the next step by faith. What's the next step that you need to take, not only for the sake of your own heart, being trained to live in a way that's pleasing unto God, but also for the sake of your family? What could you do today or this week to train your heart to be more controlled, more disciplined, where we're not just turning the keys of our imagination or the keys of our hands or the keys of our eyes over to our base desires, but that we are allowing the gospel and the spirit to shape us, mature us, and make us wise so that we can live a life that is more pleasing to God so that in our home, God's will is done. May your will be done in our home as it is in heaven. Church, I want you to know that if there's anything we can do to help you take your next step, please reach out to us. Or maybe if you're a visitor, a guest, and you're not a member here at McDermott Road, we want you to know we're here for you too. And if there's anything we can do for you to help you take your next step by faith, whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, however your life has been going up to this point, today can be a point of change. There's a fork in the road and you've got to decide which direction you're going to go. And if we can help you go in the way that Jesus would have you to go, if we can help you to follow Jesus, we want to help you. And church, we're going to sing one more song. And then after that, our elders have an incredibly special word to share with you, to pray with you and pray for you, to pray for our community and our world, to pray especially for our church family, because these have been trying times. And your shepherds want you to know that they love you and they're praying for you. And we want you to know if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Thank you for being here this morning.